at Mom Life presented by Kids Dentistry, welcoming new smiles at Kids Dentistry. With safety as their top priority and easy online scheduling for new patients, Kids Dentistry is where healthy smiles grow. Visit kidsdentistry.com. That's dentistry spelled D-E-N-T-I-S-T-R-E-E. Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. And today I am thrilled to be joined by a person that I have now known over well over a decade now, which is totally bizarre to me. It is my dear friend, Jennifer Kennedy. And Jennifer has been my go-to, I'm trying to think, like hair, makeup, keeps me put together during Derby Week, taught me how to do my own makeup, eyelashes. Like she is an extraordinaire, makes sense because she owns her own salon and spa. It's called J. Nicole Salon and Spa. And I've been a huge fan of her for, I I mean, for a long time. Now that I'm trying to think back on my years that I've known you, that's why I'm starting to stutter a little bit. Cause I'm like, I don't remember how long that I've known you now, but it's had to have been at least a decade. Yes, it's definitely been, I think over a decade. For sure. <laughs> so, I mean, actually, technically, you and I probably crossed paths even longer than that. We did actually grow up in the same school system, hometown, high school. You were a few years older than me, but I was aware, certainly, of you, even if you're like, you're now husband. So, I mean, again, one of those people always looked up to as just like an amazing female that is doing extraordinary things. And I'm so glad we finally got to connect today. Oh, my gosh. Me, too. I miss talking with you. So you used to, when I was pregnant, got on and off for now, like the last two years. And the most recent was when I was pregnant, you introduced me to lash extensions, which I think are a game changer, but I used oh, to go yeah. and see you every two weeks and get my lashes <laughs> filled. But I loved that time because I literally felt like I was like laying in your lap almost practically. Um, <laughs> and you and I would just like share our little life stories together, like quietly in a room with spa music on. And now I feel like you were my little therapist then. And now today I'm going to take that front seat. Whereas before I felt like you would always keep me put together. And sometimes I'd be cry to you, laugh to you, fall asleep on you. <laughs> <laughs> you were just the absolute best. So, oh my gosh. I have no idea how you even got away today from the, wait, you don't typically work on Mondays at the salon, right? No, um, typically they are administrative days, but, um, since COVID things have changed a little and I stay at home on Mondays, um, with my kiddo while he's doing virtual school. So you have a son named cash and yes. he's in kindergarten now, which I cannot believe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Time flies by. Everybody tells you that, but oh my gosh, it's, it is amazing how quickly they grow. So how, I know we're talking about the now and we'll go back to the when, but how have you been handling, not, it's not like you just happen to work at this salon and spa, like you run <laughs> it, you are the owner, the creator, you are Jay Nicole. How are you handling a salon and a son in virtual learning right now? Oh my gosh, uh, lots of prayer, a few tears and a really good support system. So <laughs> I will say, um, Sometimes I feel guilty saying this, but I I feel like this whole year has really been a huge blessing. And again, I feel super guilty saying that just because I know there has been so much hardship and loss and difficulties for so many people. Um, but I think it's really important to find the silver lining. And it has given me more time with my son and more balance in my life and more understanding of balance for my employees as well. Um, so it's really been a, a great thing for me. So I'm actually doing pretty good. <laughs> That's good. You know, I, and I know a lot of people have said this 
because I think people need to find silver linings. They need to find something to make out of the last year in which we were arguably the most uncontrolled we've ever been in our own lives of our own personal things going on because you were dealing with a worldwide global pandemic. But I know you, you know, I used to talk about this again, back to our little spa like meetings every two weeks, but running your own business boundaries are so hard to come by because at the end of the day, it's your name, your business, your investments, and you're in charge of all of those employees. So even if you're like, Oh, I'm on home. I'm at home on Mondays. I guarantee you were answering, answering emails. Guarantee you were answering mm -hmm. phones. There was, it's so hard to find that boundary, but the pandemic has forced us back into reevaluating what the word balance even means because good God, there's no way we had it before. Right. Absolutely. I know that was something I think it's so difficult to, um, as you and I talked before about uh, wanting to be successful businesswomen and empowering and lifting others up at the same time, wanting to make sure you are the best mom that you can be and the best wife or friend, family member that you can be. And it's difficult to hold um, all of those balls in the air. It is for sure. So how is the salon doing right now on the other side of the pandemic? I mean, obviously I know you guys are still open, but how did you guys figure out how to thrive or survive, I guess? Absolutely. I tell you what, right now in this time, the group that I have, the employees that I have are probably um, one of the best groups that we've been in business now for over 10 years. And I, this team is just fantastic. And our whole goal is realizing, um, that our, our jobs are to care for others. And this is what a perfect time when people, we've always been stressed. And I think our society is always going, 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 and we can provide that moment of rest and healing for them. Um, the interesting thing with the pandemic, people started to realize the importance of that. And we were able to step in and kind of teach them how to do that from home, or if they felt comfortable to come in, what we could do for them inside. And the other piece is when we were shut down and not able to touch someone, I think there was just such a moment of gratitude when we reopened that we could physically touch someone again. And I think those thoughts and feelings that our team carries is what has made us thrive and survive through it. Um, and really us coming together and holding each other up as well. Um, so just being in the industry of caring for others, I think this is the perfect time for that. You know, you do bring up a really good point that you and I, for instance, every time we see each other, we hug each other. And so many people are like that. I'm like that with anybody I know closely, but working from home and then even my close friends that some of which I have not seen in basically a year and you can't walk up to them. You can't hug them. You can't touch them. You can't be near them. I think that you're right. I think your business you guys have gotten to still provide that in a safe way for people. And you're right. Not that anyone necessarily took it for granted, but I think you appreciate it in a whole new way now. Right. Right. I agree. That's such a special thing. I honestly didn't even think about it that way, but you're totally right. Or you might be like people's only break from the madness and like coming in. I mean, get, of course, people, when they come in to get their hair cut and colored, I mean, of course, it's always been a pastime that everyone chatters away and lets them in on their life story. But I mean, I feel like you guys now more than ever may have been this only time some people probably even left the house and were that close to other people. 
Yeah, it's true. We definitely had those moments with guests and we absolutely um, spent a ton of time making sure um, that we were following every protocol that we could and trying to think outside of the box on how to keep people safe. And um, so there's always a risk, obviously, when you're in public. Uh, but I think taking every precaution that we can, we've tried to make it as safe as possible. And there are so many people like I just had a guest uh, come in last week that um, she had not been out in public besides the grocery store for the past year. And not one time. And this was her first time. And it was an emotional moment for her. So being able to walk beside people, I think in those difficult moments or moments of celebrating their life, it is such a blessing. And I'm so grateful that we get to do that. I mean, you, you were totally right. I'm one of those people that hasn't left very often. And most just this past weekend, I got to see some people that I hadn't seen in a safe way in a year. And I like got a little bit caught up in the moment and I was like, Oh, I'm going to cry a little bit. But then it was just like, okay, don't hold it together in a public place. Um, but again, I think everyone's had to dial it back and refocus what essentially is important. So speaking of dialing it back, the fact that you and I did grow up together. So you and I, I would, I was technically born in Ohio, but I was completely raised in Indiana. So we're resident Hoosiers right here in Southern Indiana. Did you ever think that you would end up creating a business and staying right here where you grew up? No, I did not actually. <laughs> I absolutely should have foreseen that when I was small. Um, I remember I grew up uh, with my next door neighbor. Um, her name is Cheryl and she is absolutely fabulous and um, so blessed that we still keep in touch to this day. But I remember when I was really, really tiny, us there was a creek in front of our house and we would go and get like mud and like sand and rocks and different things from the creek and make creations and then try to sell them. So I should have known <laughs> that I had some sort of entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. Uh, that, yeah, that you were trying to sell mud. Yeah, I was trying to sell mud or rocks that I painted. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And now painted rocks are like a trend. You literally could oh. have sold them. Jeez. Yeah. What was I, mean, I was just before my time. So. so what was it like growing up for you in Southern Indiana? As a kid, did you have siblings? Um, I did. I had two older brothers. There was a large gap between us, so I was absolutely the annoying baby sister. My older brother did a good job of, you know, being that big protective brother and taking me places. And the other one, I'm pretty sure, tried to have me murdered a couple times. So <laughs> that, was, that was pretty annoying. So, well, How yeah. big is the age difference there? Um, let's see. So a little over 10 years between me and my oldest brother. Okay, yeah. So did <laughs> you was, have at times more of like an only child experience then? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I remember them being in junior high and just starting high school, or I'm, I'm sorry, remember them in high school. But um, in most of my like elementary school years and um, definitely through high school, definitely had an only child syndrome going on. <laughs> You know what? I often think about that with my kids just because the way that it's worked out, my son is almost seven years older than my littlest. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, and then she's five years younger than Kennedy. So by the time she's 12 or 13, those last five years, I mean, she's going to be all by herself in the house. So I, I didn't have that. Me and my siblings were very, very close together. So I've never gotten to experience what that would be like. So I'm... In, I'm very curious to see how that affects them. But my mom is nine and 11 years older than her brother and sister. And she often finds it like 
her memories of childhood are so much different than the things that her brother and sister say, just because again, completely different lifestyles. So do you feel like you recall your childhood differently than your brothers do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely do. Yeah. I, I definitely, it was kind of, I mean, it was nice, um, obviously because I was the baby. So I got a little extra attention. I feel like <laughs> heck yeah. Um, yeah, we recall it differently. So I think Kennedy will be just fine. She'll, she'll love it. So growing up then was, I'm trying to think at what point did you realize what you wanted to be when you grow up? Ooh, so that's a difficult question because I did not ever really foresee myself being a salon owner necessarily. I remember in high school, um, so they had the program at our local trade school where you could go and learn about cosmetology. And I was so interested in it, but I was a really good student and um, honors classes and all those types of things. And in my head, it was always you go to college and get a really good job. And um, I felt like that was a path I couldn't take because I wasn't using my potential. And it is definitely something that society, um, I think, tries to define what success is or I guess that we allow that to define those those jobs or roles. And I think no matter what you do, um, as long as you do it really, really well, you can make it a really great profession and be very successful in it. Um, but at that time, I let fear and um, I think judgment from other people really keep me from going down that path. So I went to UofL and my whole thought process there, I was looking into maybe doing physical therapy later or, um, you know, the medical side of things. I love science and biology. And so I ended up deciding to go pre-dental and um, I love that. And that's something that's always in the back of my mind that I know I would have really enjoyed it. Um, But I ran into a girl that I went to high school with and she was starting an aesthetics program. And it was, I think, the second class that was offered in Kentucky. And I remember just having that moment thinking, you know, if I don't try this, I'm never going to know. And I always have the opportunity to go back and re-enter the program if I decided it wasn't something that I liked. And I went for it and I absolutely love it. I still think it has the same aspect of taking care of someone and helping them even on a deeper level than just their skin, um, because we really help people with their confidence. And like you said, I, I think you become someone um, where people can be vulnerable with you and they trust you and you can really um, be there for them on a deeper level than just their skin. So back me up a little bit to you're in high school. And of course you were doing all of your, at our school called it. Yeah. Like career info was, I think what it was, but basically since you're a little kid, then all through high school, junior high, you name it, it's always, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be when you grow up? And here you are an honor student and afraid to really say, but I think I want to go this way. Why do you think there is such a stigma there about, opening a salon and being a spa owner and not necessarily an owner necessarily, but just that industry in general. I think that it, it's one of those professions that people look at. And I hate to, I hate to even put this out there because we, my team, and I know so many in the industry are trying to change that, um, that stigma that's there, that 
the only people that do this are people who can't do anything else. So they fall back on these trades. And I, th I think it's that way in a lot of other um, trade applications as well. And I think it is just, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, um, but um, they talk about rules, which are um, BS rules <laughs> that society kind of comes up with to define how we should behave and that we should go to these nine to five jobs. And this is what success looks like. And I think it's just something that we have created as a societal rule that this is what it looks like. And the great thing about where we're at right now that I think those rules are starting to be broken and people are seeing different ways to be successful. Um, and I think some of this is just growth in our knowledge and um, growth in technology and the access that we have to more education and to see what's going on out there. I completely agree with you. And I think that you're right. There is a stigma against some of the, what you said, the trade schools and stuff like that, or the trade professions. But in all reality, it's like, at the end of the day, we need those people. Like your job can't be replaced by a computer. It's right. impossible. Like there right. are certain things that I think people need to realize that these are good professions too. You don't necessarily, we've, it's been, especially our generation. It's like, you have to go to school, you have to go to college, you get your degree, and then you're going to go do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. And it's like, but that's not the only path. And that's not the only path for all people. So I'm glad that you bring up the fact that you were a person on those traditional paths fighting mm -hmm. against, and even in your own mind of, I think this is what I want to do. And then you found a aesthetics, which for me, I didn't even really quite understand what aesthetics are. What, what does that mean exactly? Sure. Absolutely. So it's the basis is skincare. So we um, have the ability, you could work in a medical setting or a spa setting. Um, it, it really doesn't matter, but basic, um, basically it comes down to, we are taking care of the skin. I can, uh, with facials or facial treatments, peels, those types of things. You can also do things like we do with lash extensions, makeup, um, body care, waxing, all of those fun types of things. So anything really that has to do with the skin itself. And it's super important because you can be so much more than obviously, yes, a facial and all these things feel great and whatnot, but I mean, skin is your largest organ. And so Absolutely. you're really, there's so many healing properties to what you're doing that go so much further beyond than the surface of the skin. Absolutely. And we really do have to address what's going on inside of the body because the skin is only showing the stress or the results from what's going on inside. So I think it's a really good indicator just of our wellness and our health. And um, it, we can see signs of things that are going on inside or turmoil in our bodies, whether it is emotional or um, from the foods that we're eating or a possible medical issue. We can't diagnose, obviously, but we can see things that are going on um, in your body uh, through your skin, which is really incredible. Now I'm suddenly aware that now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, I should probably start taking better care of my skin. Like, <laughs> you, you would kill. There are so many times that you've gone to do my makeup and I'm like, what are you putting on my skin now? What are you putting on my skin now? And you're like, I have to prep the surface. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I never do. I am terrible. And oh I need gosh. someone to like teach me because like, again, I'm like, do I, do I have wrinkles around my eye? Well, I have all these under eye creams and I'm like, I don't know how to use these. Is there a lotion I'm supposed to be using? Does my normal lotion for my body not go on my face? I'm literally that person. <laughs> 
Well, luckily I can help you with that. So. <laughs> well, we're going to have to do some little one-on-one sessions because Sarah's Absolutely. lost. There is one thing I have figured out in the last year. I've barely worn any makeup. Um, mm-hmm. and once a week, if that usually, and so now my skin has become more sensitive to the fact that I'm wearing makeup. So now oh. I used to be the person that would never take off their makeup before bed. I would just go to bed and wash it off in the shower in the morning. But now it's like, I have to take off my makeup by the end of the day. Otherwise, like my eyes especially react to oh mascara gosh, yeah. or stuff like that. And so it's like, I, but then I'm like patting myself on the back going, you did it. You washed your face before bed. I should have been doing this my entire adult life and then some in my teenage years. And I just now started to do it in the last year. That's so great that you are. It makes a big difference. So yeah. Oh, Always Lord. tell my guests, try to do it twice a day if you can. Twice? Huge. I know. I Jennifer. know. But you're, on, you're on step one. You've gone so far. Come on. <laughs> I seriously feel so clueless really we are on a sidebar need you to that you could teach a class just to help women take care of their skin and why it's important and teach it by the decade like in your 20s do this in your 30s heck once you cross this point because i mean your skin is changing okay well again business planning for later um i love that and i'm writing those notes right now because i'm one of those people that like my mom she she doesn't wear a ton of makeup she is not overly girly she didn't necessarily teach me those things to no fault of her own. She's got great skin. She just didn't necessarily need to. So I just didn't grow up being around like a mom that was like, you got to wash your face before bed. Use your moisturizer. That was never a conversation. <laughs> Put on sunscreen was probably the number one thing she always said to me. Um, well, that's great. That's, that's definitely a good, good thing for you. And definitely I'm sure it helped. That too. So is there anything from your childhood that you've, or just growing up in general that you feel like really fueled your fire or helped form who you are. Yeah. So, um, I will say, so a couple of things, my, my neighbor, um, that I referred to earlier, Cheryl, um, Cheryl. Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. She is down in Texas now. Um, and she was a really good influence on me. I, I would tease her because she was, <clears throat> she was always outside singing really loud and had all this confidence and I was a little more shy. And I think that that's something that um, I kind of picked up from her, um, learning the importance of not really caring who's listening and just being yourself. And she was very strong in her faith and had invited me to a church service or VBS, something like that, vacation Bible school when I was really young. And I really credit her with my faith today because I started going to church with her and um, really started to develop my relationship with God. And that obviously was a huge turning point for me growing up. And I really looked up to her because, and I don't even know if she knows this, but um, I watched her as she grew up through school, um, elementary and high school, and she lived out her faith out loud, no matter who was watching, who was listening um, just in a really unapologetic way. And that's something I look at now and realize that sh- her strength and her courage um, has given me some of that as I've gotten older um, to live life a little more unapologetically because it really doesn't matter what other people's perceptions are. It's really um, between you and between God. And uh, I would say that was a, a huge thing for me. And then also, I think my choice in my path and where I have gone in my career and um, just different things that I've done through my life have a lot to do um, with my upbringing. There were some struggles um, 
in our household that shaped who I am today. And those moments, although I don't look back on them as something that I cherish or <laughs> um, love to remember, but I do think that they're pieces that made me into a more compassionate person today. And it really lit the fire within me to want to empower other people and especially empower women to have a voice and to really speak up for others, maybe that are um, in positions where they can't speak for themselves. Um, so I think those moments in my household really did help shape who I am today. You know, sometimes I think those dark moments, even though there's some of the moments that you talk about the least, they really can turn for, into some positive things. And some of the brightest ways of just figuring out, I know that either I even, sometimes it's as simple as I don't want to be like this. So I'm going to go this way yeah. and be completely like that. Um, but you said being compassion, um, being peacemakers, being problem solvers, being determined to get down a different path. I think sometimes you have to experience those darker moments to appreciate how the better moments and to be, like you said, be fuel that fire and become a fighter in a lot of ways Yeah, yeah. and, and to fight your way through. Yeah. I do think, um, my voice was very quiet. I think through no faults of, um, well, I can't say no fault because we we should learn as we get older and I think take accountability for our actions. But I do think that um, I remember moments when I love to sing. I, I'm not saying I'm a good singer by any means, but I, I love to, you know, like in the shower singing or in your car. And I do, I have moments in my childhood where I remember a family member telling me um, like that I wasn't any good. And I was maybe like <gasps> six or seven and just destroyed destroyed me. I remember crying and just thinking like, you know, I wasn't trying out for American Idol. I was just singing, you know, and, you know, an at home type of scenario. And um, I remember just a couple moments like that really shattering my confidence. And then um, when we had some of those darker moments in our family, um, I got really quiet and reserved. And I really found myself like when I was in school trying to make people laugh or trying to, um, make people smile. And I was trying to, I think it, it kind of turned into um, like being a little bit of a people pleaser because I wanted people to like me and I wanted people to accept me because you felt like maybe you weren't getting that from other areas. Um, and it's interesting because even, even at my age now, like I'm approaching 40 and um, I still am discovering things about myself that I'm realizing were from those moments when I was younger. And I think once you recognize them, you can overcome them. It's kind of naming it, describing it, and then dismissing that, you know, this isn't going to define who I am. And I had a moment when I was just first in college where I had a, an opportunity to stand up to some of that darkness that had occurred in my childhood. And I remember that moment was, was a big turning point for me because um, I didn't let fear define where it was. And I stood up and said, this isn't acceptable. This is, um, this is not okay. And um, I think that moment, I know I'm being a little bit vague, but I just want to kind of protect other people in the scenario. Um, that moment really changed my confidence about myself because I was in control of my emotions and um, could start healing really from um, just any of those things that broke my confidence and broke who I was and started to really find myself. And even until I want to say the past couple of years, 
uh, the, I want to say the past three or four, I've really found more confidence in loving who I am and not worrying about what other people see. Um, and that's, that's kind of crazy that we get into adulthood and we still struggle with those things. But I think it's, um, I think that I'm not the only one. I think there are a lot of people out there that have those moments where it really takes us a long time to figure out what's really important. And I do think this year has helped with that, but it's been a, a lifelong journey for sure. It's crazy, like you said, to think that certain things that happened in childhood, even whether it's with your siblings or something you experienced on your own, you kind of fit into a role. And mm -hmm. it's crazy that even as an adult, sometimes you find yourself still playing that role, whether it's like you said, the, the quiet, more passive one, the argumentative one, the peacemaker, like you get these names that you kind of like, can like identify with of, right. I am this person, but I do agree with you that sometimes it takes confronting, whether it's confronting literally the person you're having issues with or confronting the fact that all of well, certain things that you're doing all stem from, and like you said, back to childhood, but sometimes connecting the dots and finding the similarities helps you break down, oh, all of this is connecting back to this, to this, to this. And like you said, identifying and then figuring out how to overcome. And that yes. takes a while. It takes it a long time. It does. <laughs> it's definitely a journey. We're not getting to a destination at all. <laughs> well, and you and I, before we started talking, I was like, is there any like one big thing, if you had to bullet point part of your life or who you are. And I know one of the first things you said to me, and this totally plays into exactly what you're talking about is that you never stop learning and growing and changing. And you're, you show that so much with all that you do. It is. It's interesting. I, um, read, I love to read. I don't always have the time with, you know, all of the things, but I, I think it's really important to, really pour into yourself and help yourself grow and be inspired. And um, I picked up just for a fun read, The Magnolia Story. I think that it was really- Joanna Gaines? Yeah, I love oh, her. Yeah, yeah. And, um, one of the quotes in there, the whole book, this is what I remember the most. There was a quote that she um, wrote down. It's, if you can't find the happiness and the ugliness, you're not going to find it in the beauty either. And that really stuck out to me because I thought, you know what? I may not love where I'm at, right now, you know, or what I'm going through, but I can find the beauty where I am. And I think it really has helped me to enjoy every moment versus be waiting for the next thing to happen and to be searching for that happiness. You have to find it where you're at right now. I totally agree. I've often said that to people who, um, more so in my younger years, but if I felt like they just kept dating more and more people and never really finding one. And then they were upset they hadn't found somebody. I always said to people, I'm like, you have got to find the happiness within, because mm -hmm. if you can't, you will not find your happiness within somebody else. You Very need true. to, you need to find it within yourself first, and then you will start finding people for the right reasons. Because if you think someone else is going to like fix it, or you just kind of start identifying only with like their likes, their wants, their needs. No, you need to identify with yourself first so that you're looking for people for the right reasons versus what will end up being the wrong reasons. And that's a better way to finding better happiness, better relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, yes, you're talking about more situational, but I agree. And I think that phrase, especially I love Chip and Joanna Gaines. I should go ahead and say that too. Um, <laughs> but in the last year, it's like, there is beauty in the ugliness. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, dolphins swimming in the Venice Canal for the first time in how long? Because everyone, everything got shut down. And all of a sudden, it's like the, the pollution got shut down. I mean, that was an immediate, like, the world was saying, ah, let there yeah. be nature again. I mean, and that was like <laughs> on an animal level, let alone what humans were doing. But I mean, even back to you and your staff, people appreciating other people more, as I, I personally hope what people learn to realize is like no one a year ago, no one would have thought what has happened would be possible. Not a single person would have said, we're going to shut down essentially for a year. Not a single person would have said yes to that. So I right. think that now people have a much different, um, appreciation <laughs> for things like going out to dinner, um, having a party with friends, being around your whole family, traveling, um, going to your favorite <laughs> business, not wearing a mask. I mean, oh good Lord. Gosh. Yeah. It, so is, it is unbelievable. <laughs> so you are in college. You have this kind of personal reckoning where you, let's just say, face the darkness. And then you, is that when you think your confidence changed for you going into your adulthood? I think, I think it was a piece of it. Um, I do think having those moments where I had decided not to be that quiet voice and not to, um, be so agreeable in every situation. I think um, when I decided to take ownership of who I am took place while I was in college. So I think that that was all a piece um, of the puzzle. So yes, during that time, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I think there were several things that happened together that were the catalyst for that change in my life. And, and I had moments where I wasn't the best version of myself. I was really trying to figure things out and um, you know, I, started, you know, I went out too often and, you know, of had course, some fun yeah. and probably shouldn't have had so much fun and, um, really looked in the mirror and didn't like the person I was seeing as well. I, I don't want to be that person. And, um, I think all of those things together, um, gave me the confidence to just go for it. And it is funny. I, I joke when people ask me about how I started the business. So I, I was 19, um, when my, um, I was working at, which is hilarious because I am an esthetician, but I was working at a tanning salon and <laughs> I um, was doing that and going to college. And then I um, decided to switch from that to do aesthetic school. And as I was in aesthetic school while working at the tanning salon, which is a, not a good dichotomy, um, the <laughs> business owner had um, presented me with the, the opportunity to purchase the business. And I think I was young enough and dumb enough, I'm going to say, because I did not, I was not in school for business, mind you, that was not training that I had. Um, I went in with my dad and my mom and we together purchased this business. So, but the, the thing was, is I had to run it and um, I couldn't have done it without them. I think it always takes more than just yourself to support you and to move you forward in life. Um, but that gave me the confidence, I think, to go forward with the with the actual salon later. So I knew that wasn't where I wanted to stay forever. Um, I was going to U of L. I was um, working at the tanning salon, and then I had gotten a job at um, another salon in the area. So I was leaving the house probably around six in the morning and not getting back until about eleven thirty at night. And I remember being so exhausted and so tired, um, but I felt I was on the right path. And that drove me to keep going. Um, I had the opportunity after um, working, I probably did that for about a year or so. And my body was really taking a toll. And 
um, I started having heart palpitations and all these things that were stress related. And um, I had gone into the doctor and they said, okay, something's got to go. You've got to give up something. So I left the salon I was working at. Um, I learned so much from them. And um, I do think some of my success comes from the knowledge that they instilled in me and um, their business drive. I um, left that job and then was approached by another salon owner who was going to be, um, she was trying to get out of uh, the ownership role and was selling, um, she had a booth rent salon at the time and was selling the salon. And I thought, you know what? No, not right now. I just, I can't take this on. Um, and she approached me one more time and I thought, you know what? Why not? I think sometimes those what ifs stop us from moving forward. And I was young enough to not worry about the what if I fail. It was more like, what if this is really successful? So I went for it and um, started that journey. And we started with four um, stylists and then three of them decided that they didn't want to be in that type of atmosphere. We were going from booth rent to a different path um, so that we could offer more education and uh, more growth for them. And um, so I was down to one team member and myself. And then 10 years later, now I have uh, currently 13 on our team. I think due to uh, the pandemic, we did have um, a lower number of team members that are with us currently, but the team that we have is fantastic. And it has been an amazing, amazing journey. So, okay. How you were 19 when you started your first business, which again, not by any way stretch of the imagination, normal from a normal standards of most people wouldn't trust a 19 year old to run a business. You're a college kid. Like you said, you're going out, you're having a good time. I mean, I know you said your parents certainly um, helped to make that dream possible, but so you, how old were you when you started then what is now Jay Nicole salon and spa? Oh my gosh, I guess I would have been 20, let me think, because we, we were there for about, let's see. And that's so where I, I first met you. 25, 25 or 26, I think is when we started. My time's all running together, but I want to say I was about 25 or 26. I cannot believe, I mean, again, I, I, I can't, not that I know much about this realm necessarily, but I cannot think that you're the norm. I would feel like you're the exception to what the norm is as far as like being at certain ages. And you're right. I mean, young enough and dumb enough. I mean, I hate saying the word dumb enough, but you're right. It's like the older you get, the more jaded and like almost scared you can become because you know of all of the risks and threats. So right, you're right. right. You were almost at a place where it was easier to make those decisions because if it had been later in life, you may not have done it. Yeah. You calculate too much. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I listened to Caleb Maddox. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he um, is a very young, has very, very young gentleman who um, was really successful. And something that he talked about, the problem with adults is they have that um, gonna, like I'm gonna do this sometime and you never get around to it type of attitude. And the younger you are, you have more of an attitude of, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And I definitely think that was the case. And I try to keep that in mind that, you know, I would have missed out on this, or I would miss out on something if I didn't try. You never know what you can accomplish if you don't make an effort. Again, I am all, I have been floored by you since I met you because I met you when you were still, and I want to say probably like the first phases of your, the salon. 
mm-hmm. because yeah. it was still at your original location was when I remember first going to see you because you and I had had mutual friends. And then, so it's uh-huh. like, I heard that, okay, she, she's now opened a salon. And I was like, well, I trust her. I'll go there because we all know everyone, you want to go to the same people to get your hair done. That's not something that you just like change on the fly. Right. <laughs> you, you don't want to risk that. And so I very yeah. quickly went with you and then have had a relationship with you and trust, obviously with hair and makeup. Again, I had never used like even just the fake eyelashes and I bring that up, but they're, be, they're my favorite things. You had to <laughs> teach me, um, I, I remember the one time I was, this sounds so bougie, but whatever. I was out in LA <laughs> for yeah. the for the Grammys. And I remember sending you pictures of makeup brushes. And I was like, what does this one do? What does this one do? And yeah. I don't know if YouTube was I, if I was just scared of YouTube videos, I think it honestly had nothing to do with being scared of YouTube videos, but more trusting you. And I was sending you all these things and you were like, use this one, use this one, use this one. And next time I'll come with you if you want. <laughs> and I will do your hair and makeup needs. So I, you've just been such a wonderful person and you have, you have changed over the years. And I mean, you've always stood for, for instance, like empowering women and other people. And, um, also always about being a constant learning and continuing education. But I feel like that's something you've gotten into more over the years. I agree. I I think that the importance of it, I just realized I feel so much better about myself and who I am when I am growing and not being stagnant. Um, so it's something that's become really important to me. And I think we're all obviously, well, I can't say obviously, I believe that we're all put here for a purpose. And I think that that purpose can possibly change through the years. You're supposed to be in different places or around different people, um, for a reason sometimes. And, I think part of me being prepared for that is growing in who I am. So it's something that definitely has become more important to me. And I think even as we have kids, you want to be a better version of yourself for them. Um, so that's something I want to make sure that he sees that, that I'm always trying to grow and I'm always trying to um, make a difference in someone else's life because I think that we're supposed to give to others and grow in ourself. And that, that's something I really want my son to see and to do as he gets older as well. So that may have a, a big part of it that I didn't even realize is I really want to be a better person for him as well. I think having kids is a serious reality check in, 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 it is a reset. I mean, mentally it is insanely hard to go from like, for you, you're a business owner, you're a woman, you are an entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, now another life depends completely on me. And so it's like, then you have to figure out how do I be the best mom while also still be, still being the best business owner because now these people rely on me. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you take your maternity leave six, seven, eight weeks. I mean, good Lord, if you get 12, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> and then you're supposed to just magically know how to handle being a mom and being a career-driven woman. And it's a really hard thing to wrap your brain around. I know that I've struggled with it after each time I've had a child, even after my third, I struggled the most with identifying with myself. Like, how am I, how can I be a successful mom of three? How can I be a successful career woman when I feel guilty for not focusing more on the kids yet I need to work. And I'm also driven by that to be happy. So it's just, it's really a hard thing to come to terms with, but I do know 
at the end of the day, I want my kids to know that mommy works hard for them. I would do anything for them. They can do anything that they, they can be anything that they want to be. And I'm going to support them. But at the same time, like even while I'm working from home and they were at home with school, my son would be like, you're working too much. And then immediately back into the mom guilt I go. I mean, right. it's just, it's such a, it's a dance. Every single day it is a dance that is so difficult to complete. <laughs> it is. It is. I have started um, setting boundaries with my phone. That's something I don't want to be on all of the time and him to see that and learn that habit. So I do have like certain days or um, after a certain time at night where I put the phone down and turn it on silent. And, you know, even like if we're going on vacation, I tell them don't, I, I only allow one team member to contact me. So, so there's a point of contact, but we're going to keep it minimal because I don't need to know if they've run out of toilet paper or something that's unimportant that they really could take care of on their own. Um, but if the building is burning down and I can save it, then let me know. But if it's going to burn down, I'll deal with it when I get back. <laughs> so I think setting, setting some time parameters where it's just for your family has been really important to me. And, um, and giving that same respect to my team has been helpful and letting them know it's okay to take time for yourself. And this time is your time. And we don't want to interrupt that with your family. That's been helpful. So I, for, you brought up your family and I have forgotten one important, very thing. And I didn't mean to forget this. When did you and your husband meet? So, huh. So that's interesting. So we both went to the same high school. Um, I was a freshman and he was a senior. So I was aware of him. Um, we both did theater. So, um, I knew him kind of from that and just, um, him being an upperclassman, I was aware of who he was, but we had mutual friends and my best friend actually dated his best friend. And, um, it was funny. We both were dating other people at the time and they kept telling me, and I'm assuming telling him that, oh my gosh, you guys would be really great together. You need to leave who you're with and go, um, you know, just talk to him because I really think you guys would hit it off. And it planted a little seed, but you know, I didn't, really listen. And, um, we had a couple of events and different things where we were both at the same place and got to talk. And, um, so really, I guess sort of high school, but those few years after is where we really got to spend time and get to know each other a little bit better. So you guys have been together now for, oh, Lord, don't ask me that. I'm, I'm like the worst wife ever, <laughs> but you've been into, so you've been married about 10 though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say, um, gosh, it might be 15 or 16 years that we've been together now. That um, was, that was where I was going to target. I knew you and I had gotten married in the same year. So I was like, okay, I know yeah. they've been married 10, but they were dating before that. So I figured you were around the 15 year mark yeah. <laughs> and which is, do you ever think to yourself, holy crap, how am I old enough to be together with somebody for yeah, this long? It concerns me. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> I have that one yep. time I'm like, whoa, I have three kids. I've been married for 10 years. When did that happen? <laughs> exactly. Where did time go? And then it's interesting too, when you have kids thinking back to when you didn't have them, it's like, that was a life that doesn't even seem real. So it's, I, it's wild. I don't know what that life is like. My mom and I were actually talking about that today. Something as simple as she, like they sit around with blankets on in the evening and watch TV. And she was like, I promise we're fine. We just get cold and we sit still for that long. And I'm like, Oh, that's the difference. I don't sit still. Like right. 
I don't have the chance between having three kids and now they've been around for almost a decade. Like I don't remember the days where Brian and I could just sit still and do nothing all day. I mean, I vaguely remember those prior to having children when we, it would be like a Sunday and we would say, we're watching these movies. We're going to eat snacks. We weren't, we aren't even going to leave bed today. And now that just sounds like a fantasy, like an amazing fantasy. (laughs) It sounds like the best vacation ever. (laughs) It does. I don't need to do anything. Just put me in bed. Give me snacks. (laughs) (laughs) And don't make me get dressed. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten a little bit of piece of that. I don't haven't had to like really wear high heels in a year. Um, So, I mean, I've gotten to see a little bit of what that's like. Never in my life have I worn like day sweats and night sweats and this many t-shirts and sweatshirts. Um, my hair and skin appreciate it, but <laughs> I, I have said this before, even on this podcast, I reference myself in like old Sarah, Sarah pre-pandemic before baby three. I keep identifying as my prior versions of myself because I think I'm still trying to figure out post baby three, Sarah, because right after I had the baby, we went into the pandemic. And so it's like, I'm trying to figure out yet again, okay, who am I? who, what now? And I do agree with you that, that ever, I'm not afraid of change. I'm not a person scared by that, by any means. I may be scared about it for about a day and then I'm fueled to prove it wrong. That's always been who I am. I'll prove you wrong. Um, and so now I, I I am very much that person. Don't tell me I can't do that. I'll show you right now. And I very much have been that way my entire adult life since I've been in high school and forward. And I think it's because of people like giving me opportunities, but kind of in a backhanded compliment way. Like I remember the very first starring role I ever got speaking of theater at the high school we went to, I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you for this opportunity. And their first response was don't screw it up. Oh yeah. That's, that's great. That's really good at building confidence in you. Isn't it? And it's like, that was my very first reaction to this very first big moment. And I have found myself constantly having situations like this in my adult life. I not feeling enough, like still feeling like challenged. And I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most of, well, it's always nice going to see you because if I'm going to see you at your place of work, that means that you guys are going to pamper me and it is wonderful. And you've always taken care of me and like the most amazing ways that I couldn't have gotten through derby season any year without you ever, I wouldn't have survived or not nearly looked the way that I looked thanks to you. But like beyond that, you're right. There's a vulnerability while we're there or when there's, when you're laying down and your eyes are shut and there's spa music playing, but you and I have always just had these like really insightful conversations when we're doing this. And at the end of the day, you and I were always on the same page about wanting to support others, help others, teach others, show other people paths that you certainly went down your own path. And you did a path that not many people would say yes to because they would have been too scared. And I love that you're still that person and you're still trying to show other people that there is the way you don't have to do this. And the thing is, is you always do it with the sweetest look on your face, with a smile on your face. And, and I'm like, I don't think people realize the force you are because you're a little bit more quiet, but you're not, you are one of the strongest females I know. And that's what makes me even more impressed is that you do it while quietly smiling and inspiring. Gosh, well, thank you so incredibly much. That makes me feel amazing. I really appreciate 
you and your friendship, because I think in the same way that you're saying that you inspire me and you definitely blaze the trail for other women, I think in your industry and just providing information and support to other moms, I know um, you always offer help to those that need it and want to encourage and grow people in so many ways. And that's something I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are inspiring to you and that help you to be a better person or challenge you to go farther. And that's something you do for me also. So I really appreciate you for that. Oh, I'm, I need to come and see you and not in a way that is like, I need to like come to your services. You and I actually only live about 10 minutes apart, if that. And <laughs> <laughs> we just need to spend time together. I haven't spent time together with basically anyone in a year, but as this, as we start to see the light coming out of this darkest tunnel most of us have experienced in our adult lives that I can't wait to find you on the other side and continue to push people push past the people that said no don't do or or I'm sorry don't mess it up yeah. <laughs> um you know what don't mess I will say this to that I I think they you need to change people's minds in in saying that to mess it up because I do think that's another piece we learn from failure and mm -hmm. you always, I, I can't remember who said this or where it came from, but failing forward, I think the difference between people who are super, super successful and those that are um, not is that they don't try and they don't fail. So we should be okay with failing and learn from it and then move on and better ourselves. I, one of my favorite things that I've just kind of said along my own way is that you will never be defined by your best day. You will be defined how you handle your worst. Mm, um, yeah. because that's where you're, and again, this goes back to like you and I were saying, even about childhood, the way you handle, the way you move on, the way you survive, the way you fight back, that is what's going to teach you the most about who you are and what you can handle and where you're going. Um, it's easy to handle the best day of your life. <laughs> yeah, <It's>, it is. <laughs> it's not easy to handle some of the worst. And so I think that that has always been something that I have tried to realize that those hardest days, whether it's at work, professionally, whatever, have been the ones that I have, I look back on and I'm like, but then you got through it. And what did you do to get there? And I think that is so much so important to the overall journey of everything. So I, uh, I just I want to come that. hug you. I haven't yeah. been able to hug you in so long and I'm going to give you the biggest hug. I will wear <laughs> two masks. I'll wear goggles if I have to. <laughs> that is wonderful. I love it. <laughs> or we'll both get vaccinated and just give each other a hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a better plan. I like it. I like that one better. No more masks. Plus, I'm sure it can't be good for your skin. Um, right. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. You truly are a light and I cannot wait to come and hug you soon. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much.